With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Brother Gerald, you turn that fan in the kitchen to down to uh, just one knock down to medium for me, please. 
actually listened to that song. You didn't know it, but you just witnessed a miracle and a confirmation to today's sermon. I did not plan to play that song. That was not part of the plan of my imagination. But as we're going through the songbook, singing the songs, it came to me to play that song, but I didn't really understand how strongly it connected to the sermon. I thought it would go good with the sermon, but I didn't realize until I actually started singing it how extremely strong it goes with the sermon and not just slightly. Amen. The topic today is about the size of God, the size of God. How big is God? Most people typically imagine God as being a man that is around six foot tall, sitting in a chair on the throne of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that is how they imagine God. A very limited, very limited size, very limited scope, very limited activity. A couch potato God. And sitting on the throne all the time, that's all he does. Sitting on the throne and again, the size of God being limited to the size of a human sitting in a chair, that size. But that's not really the true size of God. Even though the Bible describes uh, God, how he's equal, and John both saw God sitting on a throne. For one thing, we don't know the size of the throne, do we? Could perhaps the throne of God be 24 foot tall? Amen. But even if the size of the throne of God might be 24 foot, that's just an imaginary number. The size of God still would not be limited to that measurement. Because that throne of God is really just an instrument that God uses to help us relate to him. Because he's actually larger than heaven itself, according to the Bible. And we're going to read these scriptures quite a few scriptures, <clears throat> including some scriptures I shared with a person asking about God, <clears throat> but additional scriptures as well, in case you might be listening, I'm going to share additional scriptures as well about the size of God. Okay? But before we do that, let's go in prayer. 
So everybody, wherever you might be, in your home, public parks, buildings, wherever you might be, let's all stand in agreement as we worship and pray at this moment. Lord, Heavenly Father, praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord, for getting us through this week safely. Thank you, Lord, that your eyes are upon all humanity. That your power is not limited. That you are able, more than able, to see and to take care of your people. To hear your people, to know what's going on. Whether you might have some all the way in Korea and others all the way in America and others in Australia and Scotland and Ireland and South Africa, Zimbabwe and Nigeria, Nigeria and other places across the world that Wherever we may be, all at the same time, your eyes are upon every one of us, all at the same time. That right there tells us that you're not six foot tall, not even 24 foot tall. If you can see every person in the world at the same time and hear every person's prayers and see their problems and their situations, see their sins and their repentance, then you are much larger than the world itself. Praise God. We serve the God, not a human, not a person born in Iowa, America, or another nation on earth, but the God that created the entire earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, and all the universe. That's the difference between God and creation. You created Jupiter and Pluto and all the universe, and all the constellations. We reverence you with reverent fear. Because even the sun itself was created by you. Notable suns, hundreds, thousands, Millions, perhaps billions of suns, stars, planets, galaxies, black holes, all kinds of wonders of the earth and wonders of the universe by your, your majestic, ever, ever presence, omnipresence. Praise your holy name, Father. Great are your works. You are awesome. We praise your holy name. We praise you, Lord. We 
we bow to your majesty. Let us, every one of us, get on our knees now, wherever you may be. Let us all get on our knees together in agreement to the worship of God, to the majesty of God. Father, we bow to your presence. We bow to your power and authority and majesty. If you are great, you are the Holy One, the great one. And we willingly serve you and honor you and love you. And you chose us first. And we are not unwanted children. We are not unwanted or unloved, but cherished and treasured, precious in your sight, the apple of your eye. Thank you, Lord, choosing us. And warning us, and calling us, and showing us the truth, and separating us from the world, and calling us out from all the falsehood, all the lies, and all the deception. Thank you, Lord, for trusting us with your word. Praise your holy name. We do ask, Father, for your blessing and anointing and the service that you would penetrate the hard hearts and the hard minds and change their lives and change us and deliver us from evil. Showing the enemy's tactics in advance to prepare us for battle. Strengthen us spiritually mentally, emotionally, and physically. Strengthen us for the battle. Praise your holy name. May your will prevail in this sermon and in our lives, each and every one. All to the glory of the Father, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may rise and return to your seats, and let's turn into the Bible, into the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah chapter 23, and for the people that might be listening for the first time, we're reading from a translation of the Bible called the Alpha and Omega Bible, based upon the Dead Sea Scrolls and other older manuscripts, older than the manuscripts that the King James Bible was based upon. This is a restoration of the original scripture not based upon any denomination. When you look at the King James Bible, it was greatly influenced by the Church of England, which they themselves, at that time, called themselves the true Catholic Church. That's what the Church of England said. Most people don't know that. But that's documented historical history. It is a fact. 
that's hidden from most people. A Church of England today openly embraces homosexuality. The Church of England is that was very much influenced the King James Bible. William Shakespeare himself was involved in that work. And that is historical fact as well. Even though they say he only drew the drawing, illustrations in the original King James. But we know him for his writings. So I do not trust their claim that he only did the drawings and had nothing to do with the writings. And what about the Geneva Bible before that? And what about other Bibles before that? that most people have no knowledge of. The reality is that the Word of God has come down to us through multiple versions throughout human history, even if those versions were corrupted through different churches and denominations. That God preserves His Word of truth even through all the corruptions of mankind, we can know the truth and we can find the truth if we seek it and if we are willing to grow in the truth and seek that truth and allow that truth and to allow the scriptures and God himself to change our mind, our way of thinking, our opinion, and our doctrines. We should be willing for the great potter to form us as we are the pottery and we are the clay, to allow the potter to form us and change us and shape us into his wonderful masterpiece. We must be willing to change. Amen. We are the pottery in his hands, and all the universe is the pottery in his hands. And that right there in itself, tells you that God is not six foot tall, even though most people, even people that claim to be saved, imagine God as being very limited in size and scope. And even in his interaction with us, a lot of people see God as very limited in his interaction with us, and that's just not so in that. Jeremiah 23, let's go down to verse 23 as well. Chapter 23, verse 23, in the Alpha and Omega Bible. It says, I am a Theos near at hand. Now, Theos is the Greek word that was actually written in the Greek Septuagint. And the Greek Septuagint was the Bible translation that Jesus and the apostles used more than the Aramaic, even though they had access to the Aramaic Bible as well. Now, I know, I understand, that most people, when they see and speak the word theos, they actually say theos, theos, rather than theos. I know, I know that. I'm not ignorant about that. But my own research into the ancient languages. And as I have personally worked on this translation 
of the Bible, since 2015. That's seven years of working on this translation. My research has shown that the agent languages are not absolutely understood. Most of those people think the agent languages are absolutely understood. But even the experts throughout the world confess and admit that there is still much that they don't know and don't understand and not sure of. My research shows that it was most likely actually VO, the VOs, POs, meaning the Alpha and the Omega. I believe that that is what it originally meant was the Alpha and the Omega, and that the word Theos or Theos was originally applied only to the true God originally. And then, of course, you had the Pharaohs and other people claiming to be God, which watered down the word. And over time, even the pronunciation and the meaning became watered down and corrupted. But originally, was applied only to the true God. Now it says in verse 23, I am the Theos near at hand, saith Jesus. And not a Theos afar off, far away. He's near. He's not just a million miles away, but he is near. Now notice I said the word Jesus there in the Old Testament. When you look at King James and most translations, it says the Lord. And the word the Lord is in all capital letters for a reason. Because that is, by their own admission, a way of telling you, a way of indicating to you that it is different from the words around it. That the words around there, the other words in this verse, or original, but the word the Lord was added into the Bible. The Lord in that particular phrase, in that particular verse, was added into the Bible to replace the name of God. The name of God, not the words the Lord, but the actual name of God was originally there. A lot of people say it's Jehovah or Yahweh, or Yah, or Yahuwah, Yahweh, or something like that. But the truth is, the name of God is Jesus. That's what Matthew wrote. That's what Mark wrote. That's what multiple apostles and disciples wrote. And it is even what Jeremiah wrote, is Jesus. And I have, I have proven that beyond a shadow of doubt on the website at isawthelightministries.com slash sacrednames.html. I guarantee you that if you were to go face-to-face -face with a demon or a possessed person and try to use the name Jehovah or Yahshua or Yahuwah or any of those other variations, you would not have any victory, but that demon would tear you apart. There is power only in the name of Jesus. Acts 4, verse 12 says, 
Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The fact is, the documented historical fact is that witches and Satanists chant the YHWH Assyrian aromatic letters. And when you go back to that YHWH or YHVH or JHWH, any variation of that, it is Assyrian, not Hebrew. And that is documented and proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that all of those variations are based upon the Assyrian manuscripts, not Hebrew. You can study that out for yourself at isawthelightministries.com slash sacrednames.html. Now, moving forward, I have to say all that because of you people listening. Now, it says, Jesus said this, that he is not a God far away, but he is near at hand. He's not just a million miles away, way up there in heaven somewhere, wherever heaven may be. He's not limited to heaven and just looking down upon the earth. But he's right here. He is right here, right now, wherever you may be, Amen. That's why I can baptize people over the phone or over the internet because he's there where you're at. Regardless of my physical hands, regardless of my physical location, it is God himself that saves, not me. Only thing I have to do is guide you through and instruct you through the baptism ceremony, performing this ceremony in the authority of the name of Jesus as a minister, as a pastor, as your servant to guide you and instruct you through that and applying the name of Jesus and applying my authority as a pastor to the baptism because you can't baptize yourself, but you can be by yourself and God be there with you and my voice over the phone guiding you through it all in conjunction together, you and God and me. Even though we may be separated by thousands of miles, God is not limited in size, power, authority or scope or ability to save you just because you're thousands of miles away from him. Amen. But people actually imagine God as being in heaven looking down on the earth, but actually he's everywhere. He's everywhere. Verse 24. Shall anyone hide himself in secret places and I, and I not see him? Do I not feel heaven and earth? Say of Jesus. 
Amen. God himself says that he fills the universe, the heaven and the earth. He fills it up. The entire earth is full of God. The entire heaven, not just the throne. All of heaven and all of the earth and all of the universe. All of the universe. Amen. In fact, that word heaven in that verse perhaps could be translated as universe because, I mean, it can be, absolutely can be. The same Greek word is used, and even when you look at aromatic, the same word is used for both uh, heaven, where we think of God, traditionally think of God, as well as the universe. It's the same word. So only the context determines how we would translate it. Sometimes we translate it in the Alpha and Omega Bible as heaven, and sometimes as uh, the universe in the Alpha and Omega Bible, depending on the context. But either way, he does feel heaven and the universe and the earth, all things. He's everywhere. Amen. Right there tells you that God is far beyond 6, 7, 8 foot, 24, 30, 100, 1,000, a million foot, a million miles, a billion miles. He's bigger than all of these different numbers. He is bigger than any measurement that can be measured. He is bigger than any human imagination. Amen. Praise God. In fact, the book of Genesis tells us that that God breathed into Adam and Adam became a living soul. That tells us that even the breath of life that you breathe with is the presence of God. Most pastors don't even know that. They know that he breathed life into Adam, but then they don't take that next step of very easy, elementary, basic logic that if, if the breath of life came out of the mouth of God, then even your breath and my breath and everybody's breath, even the most wicked person on earth, came from the inside of God, came from the breath of God. When we study the word, the phrase, the Holy Spirit, that word spirit can be translated as wind or breath or air. We typically think of the Holy Spirit as being a person. But actually, God is beyond being just a person, but rather he is air itself, oxygen, nitrogen. And every atom and molecule of air itself He is everywhere. 
and fills the sky and the clouds. He even came in clouds at the Red Sea. Amen. He even is in the fire and the water. When Ezekiel and John both saw the throne of God, they also both saw a rainbow, which shows the presence of light and water. And you cannot have light without some form of electrical current, electrical, electrical frequency, or fire. The Bible says that God is a consuming fire. But there is also water present, or, or elsewise you cannot have the rainbow. Amen. But the truth is, he is both water and fire. Even Jesus called himself the waters of life. Amen. God calls himself water and God calls himself fire. God also calls himself wind. The truth is, every atom, every molecule in all of creation is part of God. Part of God. And we truly are his children made of his own DNA. But that doesn't make us God. But it does make us gods, but not God himself, even though we are part of God. Whether you like it or not, whether that's hard to comprehend or not, whether that upsets you or not. But you cannot have any creation without God's presence is there inside that creation. These things are hard for our little tiny brains to comprehend. Amen. Very hard for us to fully comprehend, fully embrace and understand. Because for one thing, the churches have memonized the power and authority and size of God forever. Amen. So it takes forever for us to get over all this programming and brainwashing that we have endured all of our lives. But even the Holy Spirit is ever-present in every human being on earth, which shows you the size of God is far beyond everything that the churches teach. Now, when we go beyond the, the thinking about the Holy Breath, we can also think about the Holy Ghost, which is not another person, because God is not limited to the size 
of three people. They typically think of God as a person, but he's not one person, two people, or three people. He is a spirit that exists throughout the entire universe. He feels, he feels up the heavens and the universe. That's far beyond what a person feels. So the Holy Ghost is not another person, but rather it is another portion of God. Just like a certain county within each state, a certain region within each nation is part of that state or part of that nation. Just like my right hand and my left hand are parts of me, the Holy Ghost is a part, a portion, a measurement of God not a separate being. But that portion that we call the Holy Ghost, the part of God that came through Mary, through the belly and womb of Mary, and grew up in the human flesh and died for our sins and rose again and is coming back, that part of God is the Holy Ghost. Amen. That part that deals with our salvation, that part of God exists only within the truly saved people. The breath of God, the Holy Spirit, is present in even the lost people because everybody has the breath of God. Everybody has the breath of life. So even everywhere that there is creation, there is life, there is the breath of God, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Ghost exists only within truly saved people, that part of God. But you can have truly saved people in any nation on earth and multiple nations on earth. That right there shows you the size of God. That God is inside human beings in different nations helps you understand the size and the scope of God, even the shape of God. It's not limited to a, the, the shape of a person. Even though we see him described in the shape of a person multiple times in the Bible, we also saw him shaped as fire at the burning bush and a pillow of cloud by night and a pillow of, or a pillow of fire by night and a pillow of cloud by day at the Red Sea. So we see God shape-shifting in the Bible. Amen. We do. We see God taking on different shapes and sizes and appearances in the Bible, not just in the form of appearance of a man. Amen. The, the, the only reason that we sometimes occasionally in the Bible see him in the form and appearance of a man is because he chooses at that particular time to appear in a image that the human can relate to as we need to relate to a fatherly figure. 
as all of us need to be able to relate to a fatherly figure, the same is true between our relationship with God. Amen. So he chooses to appear to us in the image of a person that he is not truly in the shape or image of a person. People get that verse totally wrong that we was uh, made in the image of God, thinking that God is six foot tall, five foot eleven, with fingernails and toenails and a gender. But the truth and reality is that God is not male nor female. He does not have penis, testicles, prostate, vagina, a womb. I don't know all those different parts of the female, so I won't try to go through that. But he doesn't have any of those male and female parts. He's neither male nor female. He's not a human. He's not a person, even though he dwelt in the flesh of a man at one time. But that was only temporary so that we can relate to him. Amen. God is so much bigger than what people try to put him into a box. Amen. But he chose to relate to us as a father and as a husband to the bride of Christ that we may relate to him in multiple ways as humans relate to each other. They chose the male role so that we can relate to him as the authority figure. But he's he's neither male nor female. But he chose to be represented as the father rather than the mother and the husband rather than the wife so that we can recognize him as the authority. Amen. Let's turn over to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46. Verse 10. Isaiah 46, verse 10. We'll even start in verse 9, I think. But let me take care of something real fast and I'll be right back. Give me a minute.
Okay, Isaiah 46. Let's look at uh, verse 9. And remember the former things that were of old. For I am God, I am Theos, and there is none other beside me. Now notice that Greek word Theos there is singular. Some people have been told that Elohim is pearl. Well, Elohim is not actually Hebrew. Elohim is actually Aramaic. It is Assyrian. It is Chadenian. What is Chadenian? Chadenian is the language of the Babylonians, and even before that, the Assyrians. It is another way of saying it is the Babylonian Assyrian language. Now, Elohim might be pearl in some cases, but it's also singular in some cases. But if we look at the Palo Hebrew, the word Palo is a Greek word itself. Palo is a Greek word meaning agent. So when we look at the Palo Hebrew, we're looking at agent Hebrew that is related to Greek because Palo itself is Greek and that's why they call Palo Hebrew the original Hebrew in relation to Greek. They're using a Greek word to describe it. Right there is a key. Right there is a huge clue. Right there is turn on light bulbs. We must look at the Greek because the Greeks came from Israel. We have documented fact, documented evidence, proofs that the tribe of Dan was one of the first settlers of Greece and is the origin. The Israelite tribes, including the tribe of Dan, is the origin of the Greek language. Not just the Felicians, but the Israelite tribes was the origin of the Greek language. So we have to look at the Greek, the Palo Hebrew, in order to understand the truth. And like I said, the Greek Septuagint, the Greek Septuagint was the Bible that Jesus and the apostles depended upon more than the Aramaic. So in verse 10, Theos is singular. And there is none other beside me. You don't have two gods or three gods or two persons or three persons. It's just one God. It's not logical to have two gods or three gods or two persons or three persons. None of that is logical. The only thing that is logical is one God being one being that fills the universe. If God is two, how can he fill the universe? If God is three, how can he fill the universe? Because then you have people. If you have two or if you have three, then you're, you're limiting God down into persons, which is not biblical 
and not logical. But it says that he tells the end time, verse 10, telling beforehand the later things before they come to pass and they are accomplished. Meaning he saw the end from the beginning. God saw the end from the beginning and even declared ahead of time prophecy. Think about it. The book of Revelation was written around 2,000 years ago. Those prophecies, some of the prophecies in the book of Revelation have already been fulfilled and some of them have not yet been fulfilled but are about to be fulfilled. And yet they were written 2,000 years ago. God did see the end from the beginning. Now, how is that possible? That's something very, very difficult for people to understand. But time itself is the movement of planets, the sun, the moon, the stars, different things. Time is the movement of creation. That is what time is. But God, since he is already on the left and on the right and in front of and behind us, Isaiah 46, since he is already before and behind, in front of, left side, right side, and above and underneath and inside, Ever planet, ever moon, ever star, ever constellation, ever galaxy. He is already in the future right now. You see that? You starting to begin to see the picture? If time is the movement of creation, he is already on the other side of Pluto and the other solar system and the other galaxy. Amen. He can see all dimensions. He can see the future and the past. And he's still in the past. And he's still in the future. And he's still in the present. At the burning bush, Jesus said to Moses that I am Jesus. Let me find that verse real quick over here in Exodus. So I can quote the whole thing right there. Exodus 3, Exodus 3, verse 14. And the Bible spoke to Moses, saying, I, G, Asher, I, G. 
Now, most translations say, I am, I am. That's a poor translation. Because actually, I-G, Asher, I-G, would be better translated, I am G, the beginning, currently self-existing, and eternally existing G. That would be the better translation. But he didn't say all of that. He just said, I, I, G, Asher, I, G. Well, he did say all that, because what I'm saying is this is the translation of it. It's much more than I am, I am. Much more than I am, I am. If you think about it, I am is only saying that he was only currently existing. But he's so much more than that. See, even the traditional translation of I am limits God. It limits God. And I get upset when people point to times that Jesus said in the New Testament, uh, I am something, and try to say that he's saying his name. That's not at all what he was saying, and that's twisting scripture. That is such a blatant, if there ever was a blatant twisting of scripture, that is the perfect example of how people twist scripture. When you when a person says, uh, I am going to the store, you're not saying Jehovah goes to the store, or Yahweh goes to the store, or Jesus goes to the store. You're just saying, I am doing this. That's all you're saying. And the same thing whenever Jesus said, I am doing something. It's such a blanket twisting of Scripture when people do that. And I don't understand why people can't see that. Because it's very clear, it's clear as day, it's clear as black and white, and day and night. It's so clear that that is a twisting of scripture to say, I am doing something, and, or I am, and, and say that he's, he's pointing back to this verse. He's not pointing back to that verse, even though he is God. But people are using scripture wrongly and twisting it. But properly translated, it would be IMG, the beginning and currently self-existing and eternally existing G. Meaning, he is the beginning and the end. Ain't that what Jesus said? That he is the first and the last and the beginning and the ending, the Alpha and the Omega? All of those different verses confirm this translation that it's more than just I am. I'm only currently existing. God is not just currently existing. He exists in the past and the present and the future all at the same time. Because he fills the universe and always has filled the universe and always will fill the universe. Praise God. You actually learn something when you listen to these sermons. Amen. Amen. Contrary to your traditional sermon of 20 and 30 minutes. And then they go home and then you don't speak to the pastor until the next week and you don't speak to none of the other church members until the next Sunday. That is weird. And then you say you love them. 
and you live in the same town, but don't see them the rest of the week. Let's turn to chapter 66, Isaiah 66. Verse 1. Isaiah 66, verse 1. Thus saith Jesus, heaven is my throne. That's very interesting. It doesn't say I have a throne in heaven, but rather heaven is my throne. Although he does have a throne in heaven, he does. But in this particular verse, he says that all of heaven is his throne as well. That tells you the size of God is much more than five, six, seven, eight foot tall. And the earth is my footstool. If you think about that, the earth is his footstool. Look how big, how huge the earth is. And yet he says that the earth is just something that he puts under his feet. Amen. God is bigger than the earth itself. He fills the universe, as we read in Jeremiah. That was in Jeremiah 23, verse 24. He fills the universe, the heavens and the earth. The book of Acts, we won't turn there, but Acts 7, verse 49, quotes what it says here in Isaiah 66, verse 1. So we can add a cross-reference, Brother Gerald, you know, this verse, Isaiah 66, verse 1, can be cross-referenced to Acts 7, verse 49. You need to send that to me because I didn't uh, make a note to myself to cross-reference it. Let's turn over to the book of Kings in the history books. 1 Kings, chapter 8. One Kings chapter eight, verse twenty-seven. For the people that have tuned in over the past few minutes, we're reading from the Alpha and Omega Bible, the restoration of the original scriptures using the Dead Sea Scrolls and other ancient manuscripts, including the Great Septuagint which most people don't even know even exists. The pastors are not teaching the people. The pastors don't even want the people to even know that there's a Greek Septuagint what it is. The pastors don't even, some of the pastors don't even know there is a Greek Septuagint and they're the pastor. Ah! If I was to do a survey of the pastors in this town right here, I'm very confident that over half of the, of the people that claim to be pastors, over half of the people that claim to be pastors in this town don't even know what the Greek Tertullian is. As the Bible says, the blind leading the blind. 1 Kings 8, verse 27. But will God 
theos, God himself, indeed dwell with men upon the earth? Will he? Will God dwell with men upon the earth? If the heaven and heaven of heavens will not suffice you, how much less will this house which I have built to your name? In other words, in other words, Solomon and other people, David and Solomon and other people of the Bible, they recognize that God is much larger than a temple. God is so much larger than uh, the huge castles and temples upon this earth. God is larger than any skyscraper, the largest buildings on earth. A house, a temple, a building cannot contain God or hold all of the size of God. It's just impossible. Impossible. It is totally impossible for the entirety of God to fit in a building of any size. He can't even fit within the large size of earth. The earth is his footstool. He fills the universe. Brother Gerald, are you ready for another miracle? Okay. With my bookmark is on page four, I want to read this page this morning before I talk about the verse at the top of the page this morning. This morning, read the verse at the top of the page. So this morning, Brother Gerald was reading this page, verse 11, and the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, because the glory of Jesus filled the house. Praise Jesus. Amen. Praise God. So as I said earlier, sometimes God comes in the form of a cloud. And here, Jesus was completely filling the temple with smoke, with vapor, with clouds. Fill it up. He filled up the entire house. The entire building, the entire temple was full of the presence of God. And yet, I guarantee you, and I promise in the name of the Lord, that was not the entirety of God. Amen. Amen. Even though he filled the house, he is larger than the earth itself, according to the according to the Bible. Amen. The brother drilled read that this morning. This morning. And he did, he did not know what I was going to speak about today, did he? He didn't know. He had no idea what I was going to speak about today. And this is a confirmation of the sermon. And this happens all the time. Amen. It is quite often that whatever I'm reading for the sermon Brother Gerald has read that same morning or the night before. That happens very often. So that is also showing the evidence of the size of God. That the mind of God and the presence of God and the words of God 
can be inside his brain, his mind, and his soul, and also in my heart and brain and mind and soul at the same time, on the same night. Amen. In multiple people. He's not limited to six foot tall and one foot wide or two foot wide. Amen. Let's go to the book of Psalms. Psalm 139. If you have paperback of the Alpha and Omega Bible, this is page 79. In the Alpha and Omega Bible, paperbacks, page 79. Psalm, Psalm chapter 139. Starting in verse 7. Verse 7, all the way down to verse 10. Psalm 139, verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? And where shall I flee from your presence? If I shall go up to the sky, you are there. If I shall go down to the grave, you are present. If I spread, if I shall spread, my wings to fly straight forward or sojourn or travel at the extremity of the sea, it would be vain, for even there your hand would guide me and your right hand would hold Alpha Omega Bible Greece and Chitters. So, right there also tells you that they understood that God is larger than even the earth itself, and that even in the grave, God is present. And even out in the middle of the ocean, God is present everywhere, all at the same time. He's larger than the, than the oceans. He's larger than the largest mountain. He's larger than anything that you can imagine. He's larger than the solar system itself. He fills the universe. Let's go to the book of Job, which is the four songs. Job chapter 9. Job 9, starting in verse 9. Job 9, verse 9. Who makes the bear? The Orion and the Jodhjero, I pronounce this, Pleiades, Pleiades, something like that, and the Chambers of the South, the Constellations. Who makes those? God did. Amen. God made the Constellations. Amen. And there are even by name here that there is a constellation of a bear. There is the Orion. There is the Pleiades. Amen. It's okay to see with your eyes the creation. It's not a sin to look at the stars and say, that is a bear, that is a big dipper, that is a little dipper, that is a scorpion, that is a pair of scales, that is such and such and such and such. He made it that way. He designed it that way. God drew it that way. How is that a sin? He drew it. He put it there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Amen? 
Amen. Verse 10. Who does great and unsearchable things? Glorious also and excellent things. Innumerable. If ever he should go beyond me, I should not see him. If he should pass by, by me, neither thus have I known it. In other words, God is invisible. He's everywhere. You might not see him, but he's there. If he, if he would take away, who shall turn him back? Or who shall say to him, what have you done? For if he has turned away his anger, the whales under heaven have stooped under him. Oh, that, oh, then that he would listen to me or judge my cause. For though I be righteous, he would not listen to me. I would entreat his judgment. If he should call, he would not, should not obey. I cannot believe that he has listened to my voice. Let him not crush me with a dark storm. For he has made my bruises many without cause. For he allows me not to take breath, but he has filled me with bitterness. For indeed he is strong in power. Who then shall resist this judgment? For though I should seem righteous, my mouth will be profane. profane. And though I should seem blameless, I shall be proved perverse. For even if I have sinned, I know it not in my soul, but my life is taken away. So what Job is doing here is venting. As Job is venting, and as he is venting, he's saying that God is far beyond anything that he can imagine. Now, of course, God is righteous and he is just. And, of course, he can and does answer our prayers. And he can heal if it, within, if it is within his will to heal. That's where another thing that people get wrong. People, so many pastors, so many Christians, out there claiming and proclaiming and promising you that God will always heal you if you just believe and just ask and just believe and ask and believe and ask and not give up. But the reality is that sometimes, even though he would like for you to be well, and even though he would like to heal you, sometimes the sickness is what you need in order in order to test you, to try you, and to form you and to shape your character and your faith. For example, Paul said, Paul said somewhere in the Corinthians, two Corinthians, I think, that he said, I'm sure it's two Corinthians, that he said that he had sought God, that he had sought Jesus three times for his physical affliction for the throne, the thorn in his flesh. But Jesus said, no, for my grace is sufficient for you. That is enough. My grace is enough for you. A lot of people say that Paul was dealing with a sin, that it's not talking about physical sickness. But the context, the wording, the specific words that was used. It says the thorn in the flesh. It says in the flesh. And it says about his infirmities. It says it was about his infirmities. It says that it was about his infirmities. It tells you what it was about. And people still try to make it out that, that Paul 
was asking God to deliver him from sin. And Jesus said, no, I will not deliver you from sin. That's blasphemous. But it's what preachers teach every day out there. It is what multiple ministry websites teach. God will deliver you from sin if you beg him and beseech him three times and ask him to deliver you. Now, it might not be instant, but he will work with you, and he will deliver you from that sin. But when it comes to a physical sickness, sometimes the physical sickness is what you need in order to continue your life trials. For example, Paul had been given such great mischiefs and great authority in the church, understanding of spiritual things, the deep things of God. If he had not had the physical afflictions of sickness, as well as stonings and other trials that he went through, if he didn't have that, then the pride would have, the pride would have been too much for him. He needed those physical afflictions and sickness to keep the pride under control. Amen. So here, Job is benching. And sometimes it seems like he's a little bit negative about God because his trial is very tough, very difficult. But even through that, even through that, he is glorifying God. He is praising God. He is honoring God. He is revering God. That God is so great and so awesome. Amen. But God hung the stars. God is the one that hung the stars. And think about the distance and the size of the stars. Even though they appear to the human eye as being only a little dot, in the heavens. The actual size of those stars are like the size of our sun, and some of those are much larger, much, much larger than the sun. The sun itself is a star. If you was to be out there where some of those stars are and look back in the direction of Earth, our star our sun would also appear as just being just a dot in the sky. The sun would appear as just a dot in the sky if you was looking from the distance of some of those stars where they're, where they're located. So these stars are millions and millions and millions of miles apart from each other. Even though when you look up, in the constellations at night, they look close to one another. But the reality is, there is a distance of millions of miles between each and every one of those stars. Right there tells you the size of the universe. Right there tells you the size of the universe, and yet God fills the universe. And he's the one that decorated the universe with all of those stars. And guess what? Those stars are much more than just decoration. Those stars are part of our future reward. The book of Romans, chapter 8, 
tells us that the universe, the creation, is groaning within itself, waiting for the sons of God, waiting for us to inherit them, to take them, to receive them as our inheritance. Romans 8, read it. We're going to inherit the universe, the whole universe, the entire universe, more than just earth, and more than just what we imagine as heaven. People think that they're going to die and go to heaven. But the reality is, the Bible talks about resurrections and inheritance of the universe. If you want to just go to heaven and just sit around on clouds eating grapes and do, and do nothing all day, you are limiting your own inheritance. You are limiting your own birthright. You are limiting who you were created to be. Because actually you were created to be a king. And you were created to receive a, a portion of the creation out there. It's not just decoration. And it's not just for the calendar. But some people, once they get into paradise, once they get into the new heavens and the new earth, they're going, some people will receive an entire planet. Some people will. Some people will receive a state, a county, a city, a planet. Some people will receive a solar system or a galaxy. The work is not done. And the creation is not done. Science documents and proves that the universe is still growing. Did you know that? The universe is still expanding. Every day, the universe grows in size. You know why? Because every day, somebody is born. Think about that. Every day, somebody is born, and yet, every day, the universe is expanding. New stars are being formed. New planets are being formed because new people are coming into the universe, and they have to have a property. They have to have an inheritance. God is so great. God is so much bigger than what the pastors and the churches and the religions have taught you. And so is your inheritance. And so are you. You are so much bigger than what these churches have made you out to be. You are gods. And you shall rule on thrones. You shall rule the universe. You shall inherit the universe. But these churches want to make you think that you are nothing, that you are trash, and that your righteousness is nothing. Even Job said his righteousness is nothing, even Solomon. But these people were just venting. The reality is that the Bible teaches us very clear that we are gods. We're not the God, and we never will be the God, but we are gods. If a cow gives birth, and has children, a cow gives birth to cows, and a dog to dog, and cats to cats, and God to gods. We are the children of God, and we have an inheritance. God is not poor. 
God is not poor. We have an inheritance of the universe. What does God own? The universe. And what he has created, we shall inherit. The size of God, the greatness of God, and even the salvational plan of God is so much larger than what your pastors won't do to understand. Amen. Praise God. Let's go to chapter 34. Job 34. Verse 21. This is page 22. If you have the paperback of the Alpha and Omega Bible, which you can... Um, download for free onto your computer or phone. You can download the Alpha and Omega Bible for free from the website of the I Saw the Light Ministries. All you got to do is go up there. The navigational bar, I don't understand why people get so confused, but the navigational bar is very simple. You have light versus darkness. That is spiritual warfare, light versus darkness. And then you have a prophecy section. You have commandments section, the law and the do's and the don'ts, what God commands and what God wants you to do and not do. That's the commandment section, the prophecy, and the light versus darkness. And then you have more truth section for other things that don't come under those categories. And then finally, the next thing it says on the navigation bar is more pages. And I think that most people just ignore where it says more pages, and I don't know why they ignore that. But more pages, you click on that, and you'll find uh, about the worship services, and you'll find about other things, including the Alpha and Omega Bible. So that's how you find that, is under where it says more pages. You can search for it and find it, download the Alpha and Omega Bible. And then we come to page 22. Job 34, verse 21. Job 34, verse 21. For he surveys the works of men, and nothing of what they do has escaped him. Nothing, nothing of what they do has escaped him. Amen. In other words, he sees everything wicked in the world, ever good, ever good deed, ever good work, and ever wicked work. Nothing has escaped him. He sees all things. And there's other verses for that as well. The Bible even says that he even knows our thoughts before we even speak to them. And that includes even the wicked people. He is present even within wicked people because they have the breath of life, and the breath of life is even the presence of God. So he even knows the thoughts of the wicked. You know that's true. He knows even the thoughts of the wicked. Amen. Let's go to Proverbs. Proverbs 15. We're almost done. Proverbs 15. 
verse 3. Proverbs 15, verse 3. The eyes of Jesus behold, or look, see both the evil and the good in every place. In every place, he sees both the evil and the good. You cannot escape the presence of God. If you go to the grave, he is there. If you go to the middle of the ocean, he is there. You cannot escape the presence of God. And I guarantee you that the things that we do that are evil, we get paid for back in this life. Not just after the judgment day, after the resurrections, but even in this life, we are repaid for every evil deed and every good deed. We are repaid in this life as well as after the judgments. Nobody gets away with anything. You might think somebody's getting away with something, but I can promise you they're not getting away with it. The eyes of the Lord are even upon the sparrow. Even the smallest birds of the field, even as we sung that song before the sermon began, his eyes are on the sparrow. Amen? You might be just a little dot on this earth, but God sees you. God sees you. And God knows what the wicked have done. Amen. And we are all, every one of us, are repaid for what we do. Let's go to the book of Hebrews, and this is the last verse I've got written down. Hebrews 4. You are listening to the live worship services of I Saw the Light Ministries. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Page 234. If you have the Alpha and Omega Bible. Page 234. Hebrews 4, verse 13. 235, page 235. Uh, Hebrews 4, verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all, everyone, are tranquilized and naked to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Amen. Now, tranquilize or tranquilos, however you would pronounce it, I know I'm not pronouncing that correct, but that's the Greek word. And that means to bend back the neck or the throat for a person or animal to be slain, to lay bare, to uncover, to expose, to cut open, to expose back, to pull back the skin, to pull back the insides, to see deep inside, to see what's inside, to uncover, to bear, to expose. God can see what is in our hearts. God can see what is in our mind. God can see what is inside our souls. The cosmetics does not blind God 
to your vanity and your pride and your self-conceit and your lack of confidence and your low self-esteem. Whatever the condition of your heart and soul may be, you cannot hide behind a mask. You cannot hide behind a tattoo or behind a shirt and a tie or long dress or long sleeves. You cannot hide behind the riches of man and the treasures. You cannot hide in the four walls of your house or behind a video game or drugs. You cannot hide from the presence of God. He sees all things. He sees you naked. He sees you exposed. And he knows those witches that listen to this broadcast. And he wants you to repent. And he knows your plans against him and your spells and your curses. And he knows all the snares that you wish to lay for me. The God is so much bigger than your plans. He's bigger than your weapons of war. He's bigger than anything you can imagine. He's bigger than the source of evil. For there is nothing that exists, nothing, no power, no authority that exists that did not come from the presence of God, the breath of God. Even the devil himself. And no matter what your power is, you should always give the glory to God in the name of Jesus for your power, for your source, for your life, for your gifts. There's only one God. The devil came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came to give life, and life more abundantly. And God, because Jesus came to us to give life and life more abundantly, he wants you to enjoy life and not be burdened down with anxiety, fear, and the cures of the world and the cures of the past. God is so much bigger than that. So are you. He was born to be a child of God, to inherit his inheritance, to inherit the things of God, and to learn truth, and to be able to find truth, and search truth, and find truth, if you're willing to do so, and if you're willing to leave the burdens of life, and the burdens of the past, if you're willing to give up the things of this world, if you're willing to give up demonic husbands, if you're willing to give up house, job, career, money, power, if you're willing to give up family, 
friends, parents, and even children if that's what it takes to follow the Lord. Amen. Even as Jesus spoke to Matthew, follow me. Matthew didn't argue. I make too much money. I got bills to pay. I got a wife at home. I got a farm to take care of. There was no excuses. Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. And Matthew got up right away and followed him. No questions asked. Because Jesus is God. If he was just a prophet, if he was just a man, Matthew would have used all the excuses. Matthew would have asked, who are you? Who are you to tell me what to do? i got an important job. I'm making money. i got a wife to take care of. i got children at home. Who are you to tell me to follow you? Jesus is the Lord. There can be only one name by which humans can be saved by. The name of the one that died for our sins, our kinsman, redeemer, our Lord, our Savior, our God, in which we trust. If you're willing to put him first, the first commandment, the first commandment is not obey your husband. The first commandment is not seek, all, seek out all the things of the world. Follow God and put him first in the kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these other things will come if it be God's will for you to have them. But I tell you that what you own, owns you. And the more you own, the more that you are under burden to pay those bills. The more that you own, the more that you are under the burden. We should be seeking to minimize our bills and minimize our belongings and minimize what we are captive to and eventually get rid of everything that we are captive to and be totally delivered. Amen. God is good. I encourage you to please visit our website at isawthelightministries.com. We are not a denomination. God does not want you to be the Baptist Church, the Pentecostal Church, the Lutheran Church, the Wesleyan Church, the Presbyterian Church. He wants you to be a saint. He wants you to be his person, his child, not a follower of religion. He came to redeem you, to draw you back to himself, not to a religion, but to himself. It's a personal relationship. I encourage you to read the Bible. And if you have not yet read the entire Bible, I encourage you to promise God today and make a vow to God today to start reading the Bible and to try to read an average of three chapters a day. Sometimes you can read one chapter, two, three, four, five, depending on how you feel that day. But an average, try to read three chapters a day. And that way you would finish reading the whole Bible in about a year and a half or less. I know they usually say, 
three chapters a day, you're reading all of it in one year. But guess what? They took out 12 books of the Bible. I think that's the number. They took out the book of 1 Maccabees, 2 Maccabees, 3 Maccabees, 4 Maccabees, Tobit and Judith, and Baruch. You know who Baruch is? That was Jeremiah's scribe, his best buddy, his assistant. And they took it out. But it was there. So was Maccabees. It was there in the times of Jesus when they was using the Greek Tetrategent. It was there. These books of the Bible was there. Even in 1611, when they came out with the King James Version, these books of the Bible was there. So how can you say it's not Scripture? It was there. The Alpha and Omega Bible restores these scriptures to the Bible. I'm not trying to make an advertisement. You can download it for free. If you want the paperbacks, you can order the paperbacks. And that does cost. But I'm not trying to do an advertisement. What I'm trying to do is to help you understand that even the Bible is bigger than what they told you about. They limit God. They limit the Word of God. They limit you. They limit everything. They're hiding things from you. Why has not the pastors told you about these books of the Bible? They say it contradicts the Bible. No, it doesn't. I've read it. It doesn't contradict. Now, the book of Enoch does contradict. The book of Enoch which a lot of people are embracing left and right more than any other book of the Bible, it does contradict the Scriptures. The book of Enoch was not in the Greek Septuagint at the times of Jesus. The book of Enoch was not in the 1611 King James Bible. The book of Enoch cannot be proven as being a complete book of the Bible. Even if the Bible did quote from Enoch, but Jesus also quoted from the Babylonian Tamar because he was trying to get those people to understand that the Babylonian Tamar is foolish. So he quoted from it. But just because the Bible quotes from a certain book or a certain person doesn't make doesn't prove that those books of the book of Enoch and the Babylonian Smart were part of the Bible because they wasn't. Amen. All right. Anything else, Brother Gerald? If anybody has any questions about anything I've said today, the chat room is open for you to Type in there quickly and type in your question, please, because we're about to hang up. Brother Gerald. And, and there was a, a quote from a, someone who had not known 
So, uh, is that what somebody actually said in real life? Yeah. So, Brother Gerald had read about a Muslim saying that he was going to do something in the basement because God could not see him there. And that is really what some people think. There's a lot of foolishness in the Islamic religion. The times are just full of foolishness in the Islamic religion. I don't understand how anyone can get caught up into Islam. It's such a foolish, ridiculous religion and full of demonic energy. I just don't understand how people can fall for such things. But it just it just proves it just shows it just shows us that there are demons and that the demons are active in people's lives. Because I don't understand how a human being can be so foolish if evidently there are demonic forces at work uh, with those people. Amen. Okay. I'm going to type into the room, make sure, because sometimes I have to type into the room in order for the room to be fresh. But it doesn't appear that there are any questions in the chat room. If you think of any questions later, you can contact me through the ministry website, I saw the light ministries.com, or you can contact me over on uh, the MeWe social media group. MeWe is a great alternative to Facebook. And so we use MeWe social media to contact I Saw the Light Ministries over on the MeWe social media group, MeWe.com. Okay, and that's it for now. We'll be back uh, Friday the 29th, because Friday the 29th is going to be the first day of the next month, the fifth month of the year. Friday the 29th, we'll have... Worship services at 11 o'clock that morning, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time Zone on Friday the 29th because that's the first day of the fifth biblical month. And the Bible tells us that on the first day of each month in God's calendar, not in the Roman Catholic calendar, because most people don't even realize that the calendar that we use in the United States is a Roman Catholic calendar. Absolutely. Documented, proven. You may not have ever heard that before, but it is. It is very well documented. And when the Bible talks about the first day of the month, it's not talking about the first day of the Roman Catholic calendar, but rather the first day of God's created calendar. God's created calendar the sun, the moon, and the stars. That is how you tell time before we had a clock, before we had a computer or a phone. You would look at the sun, the moon, and the stars to tell time. And what they would do in ancient times is they would appoint a few men to be out in the field at the time of the month that they were expecting the new moon. Because you would have two or three nights with no moon. The moon is invisible for about two or three nights in a row. And it would be just dark. And then those men would be out in the field looking for the moon to return. 
And as soon as the moon returned, the first man that would see just a little bit of a crescent of the moon returning, that he would blow the trumpet and sound the alarm for everybody that that was the first day of the month. And so that's going to be the 29th on a Friday next week at 11 o'clock in the morning for our worship services for our fifth new month of the year of God's calendar. And then, of course, Saturday, the very next day, we'll have worship services for our weekly Sabbath, weekly worship services every Saturday at 11 o'clock in the morning Eastern time. You can listen on Mixler, the Mixler app, Mixler.com, as well as TalkShoot.com. We also have where you can actually uh, call in over the telephone and listen live as well. And all of this information is at isawthelifeministries.com and look in the navigation bar, navigation bar for more, more pages. And under that category, you'll find about worship services and the Alpha Omega Bible and other things. So I'll let you go for now, and I'll see you Friday. And if you are obedient to God, then may God bless you in amazing ways. And I'll see you later. All of this in Jesus' name. Amen. And the congregation said, Amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.